0: We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the word of God. You know, there's a myriad of things in our nation that divide us. I think our country is more divided than it ever has been in my lifetime. And the only thing that can unite us is God. I would say probably 90% of the counseling I've done as a pastor and minister has been dealing with interpersonal relationships and conflicts. Generally in counseling you find that By and large, there's a lot of minutiae and silly, dumb stuff that people argue over. And there's generally only one major problem that exists. And so you try to, get them to leave the minutia and deal with the main thing but my vice was always the same the only way you're going to come together is by each of you getting closer to God and the closer you get to God the closer you'll get to each other the only way to bring A diverse population together is if we have one central thing that we can gather around and the only thing worth majoring on is Jesus Christ amen I'm reading from the 23rd chapter of the Gospel of Matthew one verse of Scripture And I rarely try to focus on one verse of Scripture in establishing a foundation or premise for a message. You heard me say often a text out of context is a pretext. But this is a passage that stands pretty much wholly on its own. Ye blind guides which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. I want to talk to you this morning about majoring on minors. I think one of the most difficult aspects of life is determining what the main thing in life is all about and keeping that one thing, that main thing, centered in your life. We've discussed about purpose. God doesn't allot a certain number of years to a person's life. God allots allots time to purpose. Solomon said there is a time and purpose to everything under heaven. If you're above ground and breathing, it's because your God-ordained purpose has not yet been fulfilled. When that purpose is fulfilled, then there's no longer any need for your eye to continue to abide on this planet. It's difficult keeping the main thing the main thing, to simply major on what is major in life. But so often we major on the minors. It's an instinct for what really matters that lays at the heart and the foundation of life and purpose and success. It defines the masterpiece in an art or literature. An artist has one major thing that they're trying to portray in a portrait. And all of the scenery is gathered to give a frame of reference and lead the eye to the central purpose or focus of that, of that painting. There's some central theme in a storyline. every writer, regardless of what genre they write in, write to convey one principal thought, or thing in any book or novel that they write. It's what makes Scripture so vital because God only focuses on the majors. God doesn't deal with a lot of minutia and unimportant things. God focuses on what is major and what really matters in our life it's the imperative ingredient of every great christian christian and in great great christianity is people who can focus on what really matters keeping the main thing the main thing it's the difference in all lives that come to nothing Lives that are wholly ineffective in capturing the essence of life. There are so many lives that are dissipated in what doesn't matter. They become experts in the irrelevant. I think it's one of the things that characterizes our nation and the political discussion that's going on in America in the age that we're living is that most of the conversation and most of the debate are over things that absolutely have no real purpose or consequence to to human life. It's what sets apart one person from another. That sets one team from another, one nation from another, one church from another, one Christian from another. It's what it takes to make life great and to bring about success and purpose in life it almost it also must be found in every Christian heart in Christian life Paul said this one thing I do not this 47 things that are peripheral to my life not these 99 things I dabble in but this one thing Thing I do. I forget what is behind me. I reach forward to what's ahead of me. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That takes grit and determination. It takes a heart big enough to hold on through all the disasters and the ups and downs of life. It's the ability to seize the opportunity. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like that of a merchant. What matters to a merchant, what matters in business also matters in great Christianity using our talents for our professions, But go said he only put his genius in his living. If we would put more genius in our walk with God and in the central point of life and life's purpose, we could be so much far along in our lives. It's difficult to abandon what is not profitable and what doesn't matter in our life. Once you become absorbed in it, you lose the capacity to develop (laughs) and to try to discover what really matters and what's going on in your life and around you. If we understood faith, if we understood my faith or your relationship with God, it's not a hobby we turn to in idle moments. When there's a lull in life and there's not more important affairs in life to attend to, or confine it to an hour or two on Sunday morning, it requires not only determination, but it requires the skill and capacity that must possess, be possessed to be effective in life. That which I lack as a child of God, I must have a deep desire to acquire it. Whether it's as a Christian or as a husband or as a wife or a parent or a father or a mother or a child. What I lack, there needs to be a desire in my life to possess what I lack. Paul wrote prolifically about people who simply played and dabbled at Christianity how they were majoring on minor issues and minor things in their life. They had no instinct for what really mattered. They were almost totally occupied with the non-issues of spiritual living. In the history of the church, whether universal or local, among the individuals we have squandered so much of our time and effort in fracticidal battles, brother against brother, bickering over matters of secondary moment while the great issues languish before us, an unwon world, the great commission unfilled, languishing in the malaise of majoring, on what is minor. If each of these entities are individuals, stop wasting their time, stop struggling and battle over issues that are minor, disputing over inconsequential things. I heard a poem years ago there has been a lot to me. Some go down by sword, some go down by flame. But most go down inch by inch playing silly, stupid games. I think that characterizes so much of life. When I think of the infinite pains that have been taken through the centuries to preserve the minor at the expense of the major, ugly battles being fought over minor issues in church, and in relationships. It's what's called in boxing leading with the chin. When you lead with the chin, you're soon laying prostrate on the canvas. Jesus had much to say about those who laid emphasis in their life on what really didn't matter, who expended great energy doing just useless stuff. How much time do we spend wasted Wasted days, wasted moments, wasted time and wasted hours doing things that really don't matter, leaving the major issues and the major, major needs of our lives undone. It's the major issues that's plaguing our government and our political discourse in this country. And I'm not about to get on to, onto that in this message today, but it does bear worth mentioning in this message. Paul warned about losing our sense of perspective and losing the accurate standard of measurements. Jesus called it straining at gnats and swallowing camels. If we have no instinct for what really matters in life if there's really no definition for you what really is important in life then you're apt to fumble life you're apt to waste the time and the energy and the essence that God has given you not counting badly damaging our credibility Living is like building a house. When you build a house, you work off a certain set of blueprints because there's a finite amount of square footage that is going to go into this house. There's a budget limitation that every architect uh, kind of pays attention to when he is laying out the parameters of the house. Everything depends on what I do within the square footage that I'm allowed inside this house that I'm going to build. If I squander space, I wind up with a bedroom that's about the size of a closet. Or I wind up with a dining room where there's no room for the table and the chairs in it. If I forget the pantry, Keeping places of less value, I fail. How I allocate the square footage of the house matters the most about how comfortable it's going to be to live there. How I manage the important and the major issues of my life, determine what I have priority for, what matters about my time. When God comes to inspect a life, when we've left out what really matters, when we've wasted our space, I think he's going to ask the question, have you majored in the minors? Like the Bethlehem innkeeper, that night when the Messiah was born, that that night when royalty was on its way, All the rooms of his house were filled. So royalty had to be cast or given refuge outside in the barn. All of us manage the same size houses in our lives. None of us have more than 24 hours in a day. None of us have more than seven days in a week. More than 365 or 366 days in a year if we occupy it with lesser guests if we entertain less lesser things in our lives then we don't have room in our lives for what really matters when we major on minors we build a life that's far too small no space for what's vital we're like the bethlehem innkeeper sometimes royalty appears at the door And we have to turn it aside because we're occupied with lesser guests. We have to get down to what's essential in life. What really, really matters. To develop an insight and develop within the scope of my attention what really, really matters. To me, it's just Plain old common sense that doesn't seem to be all that common anymore. What matters? What is major? What is what I'm dealing with now going to matter a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now? What does the Scripture say? What does the New Testament tell me? In a parenthetical thought, we live in the temperate zone. We live between the Arctic and the Antarctic. It's called the subtropic zone. Every great civilization that's ever been built has been built in what is known as the temperate zone on our planet. The world's table is fed, fed from the temperate zone. Most of the agriculture that feeds our world is grown in the temperate zone, Not, neither in the tropics or in the polar regions. Entire cultures have been developed and highly developed cultures have all occurred within this temperate zone. But there's a caveat to living in the temperate zone. The planet's most violent weather and greatest fluctuations in temperature occur wholly in the temperate zone. Storms, earthquakes, tornadoes, typhoons, hurricanes all occur within the temperate zones. In life, if you live in the temperate zone, you're certain to face at some time in your lifespan some violent weather. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, or relationally, you're going to face violent weather. In this life, you shall have trouble as the sparks fly upward. If you're going to live, you have to have a working theory of how you're going to deal with some of this violent stuff and some of this unanticipated events, these things we call tragedies. You need to know how you're going to address them in your life. I think it's reasonable understanding of what we will face. To live in Texas and to ignore that you're ever going to face a hailstorm or a tornado or high winds or elevated temperatures or seasons of drought is short-sighted and foolish. To live life without anticipating that in your life you're gonna have relational storms, physical storms, mental storms, without expecting slaps of faith. These inscrutable providences that you just come out of nowhere, that catch you by surprise. Call them what you will. Every human being at some time in life is gonna face them and you need to have a plan of how you're going to deal with them and face them. I think Katrina exposed a mentality in the southeastern part of the United States that brought us to reality. To build a city 10 feet below sea level, north of one of the largest tidal marshes in the world, surrounded by water not far from the coast, prone to hurricanes, prone to storm surge, and then to think at some point in history that a storm was going to come that no levy could hold it back, that no levy could withstand is absolutely ludicrous. To keep doing the same things and expecting different results is the definition of insanity. And it amazes me how well-educated and thoughtful people can live in such insane conditions and never Plan for the unexpected. And then be warned of an impending storm of mammoth consequence and fail to evacuate and then va- blame the government and others for your plight. It's the problem of all government. Every government tends to major on minor issues not fixing what is wrong, but moving on. As they say, kicking the can down the road, constantly kicking the can down the road. Every issue that we are facing in America are things that we should have handled in my childhood. Things that existed while I grew up in America Problems that existed in my childhood. And we spent trillions of dollars. And we've had one program after another program that have just thrown money at the problem and failed. Because we've majored on minors. And now we face problems, not only in our nation and in our world, that no government can be solved. No government can solve the problems that we face in our nation today. If they're going to be solved, they must be solved by the church with God's help. Amen. Our only help can come from the Lord. The time that we ended, our romance with minor issues is well past us. It's time for we as adults and the church to major on the major issues that face us. It says in the New Testament that where you live spiritually is a major issue in your life. That the only way that you can have solutions For the things that you will face in this life is having a firm biblical foundation. There are certain professions that have dangers and liabilities that other professions don't have. A doctor is foolish to practice without malpractice insurance because at some point in his career, at some point in his career, You know, we are only human, and we all do make mistakes. And at some point in the life of every physician, something is going to be missed. Something is going to be overlooked. And that is going to wind up in a court case, and that's going to wind up with a lawsuit. And so you have to think ahead. There are dangers and liabilities that are associated with every profession. There's a danger at being a Christian. There's a danger at being a father. There's a danger at being a husband. There's a danger in being a wife or a mother. There's even a danger being a child. If you marry a certain kind of person, you're dealing with a certain kind of family history. I learned early in life that you don't just marry a person. You marry a family. And there's always a mother-in-law and a father-in-law in in that family. In my family, on one side, there were the Christmases that were all law-abiding. One was mayor of a major city. One was chief of detectives of that major city. The other side of the family said they were fishermen. But what they were doing was under their shrimp they were importing Al Capone's bootleg liquor into America. And not to account for your heritage and lineage I realized that Alcohol, alcoholism runs in my family and that most of the males in my family have died an alcoholic death and for me not to reckon, that, reckon to that and realize my vulnerability and live life as if I had no issue would be foolish to become embittered In life about what is not fair is wasting your time on a minor issue. Life's not fair. It never has been. It never will be. But God is just. It's too late to buy insurance when the house is on fire. Right now, You may not be facing a pressing need. Maybe it's summer in your life. All the flowers are blooming. The grass is growing. The pantry is full. The bank account is adequate. Everything is going super smooth. The sun is shining. All the rumors of storm are affecting far distant places, other families, and other people The news doesn't disturb us when it happens there, but it's not happening here. It's happening to them, but not to us. The scripture never rails against life. Jesus warned us in this life you shall have tribulation, you're going to have trouble, but he said, be of good cheer. Because I have overcome this world. The only way you can overcome is overcome with him. And Jesus didn't live a pampered life. He encountered life at its worst. Every town and village he walked in, he was met with opposition. The doctors and lawyers tried to confuse him. They questioned his motives. They questioned everything about him. But one of the striking realities about the Gospels is his crowds came out of tiny villages of nowhere. Mostly people who were hurting and broken and desperate. A lot like the people that live in our neighborhoods and that we encounter every day. If you passed by one of those sleepy towns basking drowsily in the sun at the edge of the sea of Galilee you'd have thought this is a great place to live it's so peaceful here everybody seems to be so happy yet when Jesus arrived out of the from under those drowsy roofs came torn souls broken hearts spent and tired lives I'm encountering more and more people who are normal Americans coming from that background than I have ever faced in my life. The mass of trouble within this congregation, as small as it is, would burden the strongest heart. What you see on quiet, Smiling, placid faces. Beneath them is like Jehoram, the king of Israel, standing on the wall of Jerusalem. And the wind kind of blew his royal robe aside. And a prophet noticed that there was sackcloth within. Underneath the garments of many people, there are burdens that are almost unbearable. That's why it's so important that we have daily prayer about everybody in our lives and in our world. And especially those of the household of faith. Because some of them face the hardest, most difficult challenges of life. I wonder how many will be wiped out by pity issues. I wonder how many Christians facing what we're going to face in our world if the book of Revelation is any any anywhere close to accurate. I wonder how many of us are going to wipe out. I've yet to encounter someone who has an issue over something that's really major i wonder how the hobby christians will escape the times of testing that we're living in will you break will you become hardened will you become crushed at the injustice Do I think that my faith will never be tested like Peter's was tested? Do I really believe that I'm going to get through this life without enduring some of the trials of John? Do I really think that I'm not going to face the challenges that Paul faced in his life, that I'm going to get out of this world in the chaos that it's in, untouched, unmolested? Will you question that how can God be loved in the face of all of the canker and the sour and the torment and the tragedy and the human crime against other humans that we are facing and will face? Does not the peril of cities that are torn by gun violence and by racial violence, does that not affect you? Does that not challenge your Christianity? Does that not keep you awake at night? Does that not cause you to toss and turn in your bed because it's distant from the Dallas-Fort Worth area, at least mostly? It's major, says the scripture, that you think out in time a solution for what you might face. I know this is not an inspiring message, but I really think it's one that needs to be spoken in every pulpit across this nation. We are headed for some very troubling disastrous times I don't care who is elected president this nation is going to be torn by strife and riot and conflict regardless which party wins this election maybe you'll escape it maybe I'll escape it maybe my time will be up, and my number will be called before it happens. But somebody very close to you, somebody you love very much, they're going to face it. You need to have answers and solutions for them. You need to have something to say to them. And when it comes, have you taken the measures that will enable you to face it when it does? Will you be like a good businessman? Will you anticipate troubled times? Will you have resources backed up that will see you through some very sparse times? Are you praying just enough to survive the day you're living in or do you have enough prayer banked in your life to keep you when life gets far beyond the normal days of strife and test and storm? Do you have enough faith to keep you through a long, long spiritual drought in your life? Paul in Philippians 3, 7, I counted. That means he sat down and he counted what it meant for him to serve God. He took things present, things past, things to come. He took height, he took depth. He took angels, he took devils. He took every aspect of life, and he weighed and measured, can anything separate me from the love of God? And he concluded, no, I can't. In verse 8, he said, What I counted at the beginning, I'm now at the end. I still count. I still count. Goeth said, The aim of faith is to help a man meet the inevitable. No one... Can steady a life like Jesus Christ. He's proven faithful from ancient Old Testament history all the way through New Testament history and even all the way into modern times. You'll never see a statue erected in anybody's life where God failed. The gospel comes out of the cross. It's given by one who faced life in its fairness, in its justice. He faced life's temptest at their wildest and most painful. But he knew what was major. He knew what really mattered in life. Before the storm, the Bible said he spent the night in prayer. I've asked myself, when is the last time I spent an entire night in prayer? Before a day of teaching and preaching and healing, you will always find him spending the night in prayer Jesus knew what was major in his life before the day of triumph before the day that he rode a foal of an ass in his triumphant entry into Jerusalem he prayed we find him in the garden of Gethsemane praying before Calvary He took life's worst, transformed it into redemption because he majored on the minors. He majored on his communication with God. If there's anything that I want to stress in this message this morning is that whatever prayer life you have, you need to improve on it. Whatever time and hours you spend in prayer, you need to, need to spend more because right now you need to be closer to God than you've ever been in your life. The best days of your service for God, the most devoted, the most intense, the most consecrated days, in your life for God should never be behind you, but they should be occurring now and in your future. Don't waste your time on things that don't matter. Don't waste your time with things that do not add to your relationship with God you've got a job you've got to do it you've got to do it well be the very best at what you do because you're not just representing a profession you're representing jesus christ do it the very best that you know how to do it but in those unemployed hours you we need to all spend more of them in his word, and in communication with him. Because the only thing that's going to keep you upright in the storm that's coming is your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's time to be able to say with Job, I've heard him with the hearing of my ear, but now, My eye has seen him. It's time to see God. Father, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice today. We come from many divergent backgrounds, we come from divergent aspects of faith. But the one thing we all hold in common, we love you. We look to you today, God, to somehow let the seriousness of the times in which we live. God, I'm amazed at how people who are supposed to be so educated and informed can argue and fuss and divide and throw malice at each other over such issues of minutiae when there are so many major issues in our nation in our life that we face God we need you we need you more than we have ever needed you in our lives God there's so much in me that wants to pray even so come quickly Lord Jesus but I recognize how unprepared many in my family and many of my friends and many of the people that i love and cherish who are not ready for your appearing and so god i want to say i'm willing to go through whatever i need to go through lord if the church can remain here and pull them as it were brands out of the burning Satan understands our time. Is, his time is short. He knows it. That's why evil is so rampant in our world. He knows his time is short. God invade our world. Not just America, but invade our world. Invade Russia, China, Iran, North Korea. Every communist country, every dictatorship, every democracy, every socialized nation in this world, God, invade it. Somehow let a voice for revival, a voice that can call men to God, men that can let our world and nation understand the prefaces of hell that we stand upon that we face in our world untold tragedy untold heartache untold pain like this world has never seen that has never witnessed before god let the church be the church call us to prayer god only you can change things but prayer changes and enforces and works in the hand that controls the world through our prayer God we can direct your hand on lives on communities on spheres of political rule God that can be changed through the power of our prayer God you prayed in the garden that we would be one even as you are one God, I pray for a unanimity. God, even if we don't agree in doctrine, God, that there can be a unanimous heart of your people in this world. God, to pray for you to intervene in what's occurring in our world. God, we understand this pestilence. This pestilence can only come and happen because you've allowed it to come and we know that you've used these kind of events in the past God to bring people to repentance I pray I pray God that preachers don't sugarcoat what's happening but God that they call it what it is so they can call men to repentance God, we need to repent as a world. We need to repent as a nation. We need to repent as a people. I need to repent as an individual. God, forgive me. Forgive me, God, for not being as focused as I should have been. For not being as focused as you were trying to impress me to be. Lord, I pray it's not too late. Call our nation, call our cities, our counties, our states, our nation, our world to repentance. Let the voice of the prophet be sounded in every pulpit across this world. God, let the voice of reason speak to the conscience of your people. God, bring us to our knees. God, not in quaking fear, but in repentance. Bring us to our knees to call on you. God, bring us to our knees to look to you from whence cometh our help. It wasn't to the mountains the psalmist was looking to it was looking to you that sit above the mountains it was to the Lord come swiftly come quickly Lord with salvation let a revival reverberate across this world this planet like it is never seen God let people let people fall on their knees before that great and dreadful day and declare that you are God and that you are Lord. Jesus, let that happen in revival, not in judgment. God, let it come while there's time and there's space to repent. God, I ardently pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. God, come 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 with revival come with a call to repentance God come with a call for repentance let let this word reverberate in every pulpit God call every heart that is in somehow tuned to you call their congregations to repentance God we need to repent if the church had been the church, would our world be as dark as it is? I don't think so, God. I don't think if we had been the church that is really the church, that our world would be in the shape and condition that it's in. God, I pray for every politician today, regardless of their philosophy, regardless of their political bent, the King's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and as the rivers of water, you turneth it whithersoever you will. God, you can turn every politician's heart to you, God, you can turn them to acknowledge you, you can cause them to stop playing petty games and realize that their politically ideology, regardless of what it is is a damnation to our culture our society and our world that the only hope god is in a theocracy the only hope for mankind is in a world in which you rule in which you reign in which you are crowned as lord let every nation proclaim you as lord god every communist every God hating every atheist nation along with our nation leaders God let them call you Lord let them enthrone you in your rightful place God we call for that today in the name of Jesus Christ God, let this prayer resonate in our hearts. God, let it call us to prayer at untimely times in our day. God, wake us up at night with a call of prayer. Disturb our daytime events with a call of prayer. God, call disturb our supper time our meal times with a call to prayer god let every family in this church let every family that acknowledges you as lord have a call to prayer in their life god because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much god the only thing that can turn the heart of this world and of this nation is a praying populace God, you understood what mattered most, and that, was, that is our prayer life. God, I pray that you can call us, that we are sensitive enough, that we're aware enough of the dangers and the tragedies that are occurring in our world, the senseless lives that are lost by the thousands every day because of sin because of sin. God, that there become a cry for righteousness, for godliness. Hallelujah. I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I pray that my words have resonated with you today. I have fought God for the three weeks that I knew that I was going to preach and not preaching this message. God, let me preach something else. Amen. I pray I have been obedient to God. I pray that I have stirred your heart. I pray that you are troubled enough that the context of your life will change. And you will spend more time in prayer than you ever have in your life. Our world, our nation, our communities, our family, our friends, our children, some of our spouses, their lives are in our hands. We must pray. We must pray. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Thank you today for your attention. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather, and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app.